Hey guys, welcome to the Clean Simple Free Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Fox. Today, I'm really excited about this topic I have for you. It's about meeting your own emotional needs, how to refill your own emotional wellspring so that you have more emotional energy to draw upon to provide support to your friends and your family and just to feel more whole and more balanced. It's definitely an intentional living type of episode today. Stick around. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Clean Simple Free podcast. I hope everyone is having a great spring so far. I cannot believe it's already May. This year has absolutely flown by for me. Part of the reason is because I have been in California quite a lot, helping to um, clean and declutter and organize things for my grandparents' estate, getting to spend lots of time with family. So that's been really fun, but it's kept me away from my microphone for far too long. You're going to start to see new episodes about every four to six weeks from me, possibly more frequently, depending on how much I have to say. I hope everyone's getting their homes prepared for the upcoming summer and the warmer months of spring. It already is starting to heat up here in Texas. Before diving into today's topic, I wanted to take a minute to thank all of you who wrote in and provided feedback for the last episode. Last time I released a much more casual sounding episode that wasn't as prepared as they usually are, and the feedback I received was overwhelmingly positive. So I really appreciate all of you who sent emails and Instagram messages, and I just wanted to take a few moments to read two of these little notes that I received. Okay, so this first one is from Vicki M. It says, Loved it. You did a great job being transparent with us as your listeners and how we can minimize in our own lives, whether it's with emails or certain projects. Then I also enjoyed the segment where you spoke about some personal examples of self-care with yourself and your sister-in-law. I think it's great that you honestly spoke about what your listeners can anticipate from the podcast going forward. The part with one of your cats in the background made me laugh. I have a cat too and can relate. Can't wait to see what you talk about next time. Okay, so Vicky, thank you so much. I appreciate that you even pointed out the cat part. It is so hard to record some days from home with really demanding pets. The cat that you heard in the background is my 10-year-old kitten, Rococo, who still acts like a baby, and he thinks if I have any downtime, I should spend it cuddling and petting him, so he gets very frustrated when I'm recording sometimes because I can't have him in my lap because he also purrs constantly. He's very sweet. I think it's really easy when working on creative projects to be a perfectionist, and so that day I had a choice. I was like, okay... He's not calming down, so I could either save this for another day, or I can just use that take with the cat noise in the background. So thank you for writing in and talking about that, because that will help me to be less rigid with myself going forward. This next one is from Laura W. The new format in episode 91 embodies your name. Clean. You still had a main point, and you hit everything well. Simple. Nothing too prepared. You said previous recordings you sounded robotic. Interesting, and not a great feeling, I think. And not too many different details. Very easy to follow and enjoyable to listen to. Free. This is your podcast, and I'm glad you felt free to do what you need to. We're not really entitled to anything but that as your listeners. I wanted to write in because I've enjoyed all your podcasts, but have felt sometimes that they're very formal, and this one felt like I was getting to know you, and felt like you are living a very relatable life to me. 
Very nice listen. Thank you for all your work, including any changes. Life doesn't stay the same. We can't either. All the best, Laura. When I received that email, it absolutely made my day. I was really happy to receive that, and I wrote something back to this effect, but I felt like it validated that I'm moving in the right direction by letting more of my personality shine through in my episodes. You know, I've never intended to come across as formal. Um, I think someone who left a review said that I sounded a bit snobbish. That's absolutely not who I am in my day-to-day life, but I just haven't wanted a bunch of fluff and filler clogging up the facts that I present in my episodes. It's kind of like, I have this pet peeve where if I'm looking up a recipe online, they don't put the ingredients at the very top. I have to scroll through paragraphs and paragraphs of when this person first made lasagna and how their grandmother had like prize winning tomatoes. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care about any of this. I just want to see if I have the ingredients at home to make this recipe. Leave all that stuff at the bottom. And in the same way, I have wanted to keep my podcast very professional. And if someone is looking for help decluttering or organizing or whatever, I want them to be able to find it here without a whole bunch of personal stuff clogging it up. But in the podcasts that I listen to, I enjoy when the hosts talk about what's going on in their lives or make jokes and have a little bit of their personality shine through. So um, thank you for that message. Thank you all for writing in. Without further ado, let's dive into today's topic. Today, I want to talk about meeting your own emotional needs how to refill your emotional wellspring so that you can be there for others. Lately, I have been playing the role of confidant and counselor and listener for all of my friends and family. And I love being that friend that people can talk to, that people can confide in. You know how we doubt ourselves like, oh, maybe I'm not very creative or I hope that I'm a good friend. I don't doubt that I'm a good listener because people tell me that all the time and people come to me with their problems. And while I always try and offer a solution, sometimes if it's something that just can't be fixed, it is so nice to be able to know that my friends and family can trust me to listen to them and make them feel heard and provide comfort to them. But because so many people in my personal circle right now happen to be going through crises, like job changes, health-related things, grief, stressors, I have found myself running out of words of comfort to offer. Last week, I got a phone call from someone very close to me, and she was calling to tell me about some bad news that she received and how it was affecting her mood. And I found myself really struggling to think of what to say in the moment. When someone shares something personal, you know, it's natural for us to want to say exactly the right thing to make them feel better, but I was really upset with myself that I was coming up short because it was like I couldn't think of anything helpful to say at all. So I ended up just telling her, you know, I don't know what to tell you, I don't have any solutions, but this really, really sucks, and I'm here for you. So I ended up just spending the rest of the call listening. And by the end of the conversation, she told me that she felt better and she thanked me for listening. But after I hung up the phone, I came to this realization of, okay, I need to do something to recharge my emotional batteries so that the next time someone needs me, this doesn't happen again. Merriam-Webster defines Wellspring as a source of continual supply. 
And usually, my wellspring of emotional support feels continual. It feels inexhaustible. And it's not a challenge for me to encourage people. And I love that people can depend on me like that, but it can be exhausting to keep giving and giving support if I'm not taking the time to look inward and make sure that I'm meeting those same needs for myself. There's also an added layer to this because I am an empath. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term, but basically an empath takes on the emotions of people around them. That sounds very new agey, but it's actually scientifically backed. I'm going to read something from the website verywellmind.com. It's a popular psychology website. Quote, An empath is a person highly attuned to the feelings and emotions of those around them. Empaths feel what another person is feeling at a deep emotional level. Their ability to discern what others are feeling goes beyond empathy, which is defined simply as the ability to understand the feelings of others. Instead, being an empath extends to actually taking those feelings on. Science is divided on whether or not true empaths, people who can tap into and take on the emotions of those around them, actually exist, though plenty of people claim to have such abilities. We know that researchers have discovered what they've dubbed mirror neurons in the brain, which may help us mirror the emotions of people we come in contact with, and it appears some people may have more mirror neurons than others, suggesting that empaths may exist." End quote. So, science knows that there are people that are more sensitive to emotions. It's kind of 50-50 on whether people actually take those emotions on, but I guarantee you, if you are the type of person who will sit and listen to someone talk about the hectic, stressful day they had and how noisy and busy everything was, and you feel exhausted and you feel stressed as if you've gone through those experiences yourself at the end of the conversation, you are most likely an empath. I mean, you are. <laughs> So in case you've never heard of this concept before, if this sounds like you, it's important to know how to recharge your emotional batteries. This is also important if you're not an empath. We all have to recharge so that we can be there for our friends, our spouses, our kids, and just be balanced. So I've shared what's going on with me lately to cause me to feel emotionally spent, but I'd like to go over a few other causes of emotional burnout. This is from medicalnewstoday.com. Quote, Examples of things that can trigger emotional exhaustion include going through a significant life change, such as divorce or death of a loved one, being a caregiver, experiencing financial stress, having a baby or raising children, being homeless, juggling several things at once, such as work, family, and school, living with a chronic medical condition, working long hours, working in a high-pressure environment. Typically, emotional exhaustion occurs if someone feels overwhelmed by factors in their life. They may believe they have a lack of control over their life, or they may not be correctly balancing self-care with life's demands." End quote. So, of course, this is not a complete list. For instance, I didn't see stretching yourself too thin or being relied on too heavily on that list, but my problem might tie into a lack of self-care by not setting healthy boundaries on when I choose to pick up the phone. So whatever emotionally exhausting problem you may be facing right now, let's look at some changes we can make to better handle these situations. In previous episodes, I've discussed 
Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, which is a psychological theory describing basic human emotional needs. And from Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, research has identified nine specific emotional needs that we all have. I'm going to read those emotional needs so that we can then find out how we can fill them so that we can feel renewed. Here are the nine basic emotional needs. I'm reading from mindbodygreen.com, but this is readily available everywhere on the internet. Number one is security. We need a safe environment. Number two is volition. In order to feel fulfilled, we need to feel like we have the power to exist autonomously and direct our own lives. Number three is attention. Receiving attention from people we care about and giving them attention in return is valuable. Giving attention to your own self is equally, if not more, valuable. Number four is emotional connection. To be emotionally fulfilled, we need to feel connected to other people. We need to experience friendship, love, and intimacy. Number five is connection to community. We are social creatures and our brain is a social organ. We need to feel connected to something greater than ourselves. Number six is privacy. Mental and emotional well-being require that we have time and space enough to reflect on and learn from our experiences. Number seven is a sense of self. It's not enough to have a group. We need to have our own sense of our value within the group dynamics. Number eight is a sense of achievement. In order to maintain our self-esteem, we need to have a sense that we're accomplishing things of value. And number nine is meaning. In the same vein as feeling that we're accomplishing things of value, we all need to have the sense that we're part of something greater than ourselves, having a coherent set of beliefs about life and what it's all for. So I know that I breezed through those pretty quickly. I'm going to go back and dive into each one and offer solutions of what we can do to fill each one of those needs so that if you feel you're lacking in some area, you will have some solutions by the end of this episode. But first, I'm going to take a quick break. And welcome back once again. Let's go back to the first item on the list, security. We all need to feel that we have a safe place to recharge in. For me, it's my home, but you can create a secure space physically, emotionally, or even spiritually. For the home, if you feel unsafe in your home or in your neighborhood, you can make a list of things that would increase your sense of security. Whether that means you need to install a burglar alarm system or replace the locks on your front door, etc. If you feel that your job environment is insecure, like maybe people keep getting laid off at your work and you are concerned about your job security, the Mind Body Green article I read talks about how it may be worth it to seek a new job in a secure work environment. Now, it's easy to read these things in an article, they are much easier said than done. Some of my friends are going through the insecure work environment situation right now, and there are reasons why they're not looking to work elsewhere. Maybe the salary is really good, maybe the job market is too competitive, maybe you love the work you do but hate the environment only. So the best solution I can offer for this is to see if you can create a safe space somewhere else, like coming home to a very secure home after being at your unpredictable workspace all day. I'm going on about this first one a lot, I know, but you can create an emotional or spiritual safe place, and that is incredibly important when we can't move jobs or move to a different place. There are so many expenses involved with moving and leasing contracts, so 
Maybe your safe place is that you develop a routine of prayer and meditation every evening, and that can be your spiritual safe place. For me, my emotional safe place is with my husband. I feel secure in our relationship, I feel safe when I'm with him, and that really came in handy when our apartment caught fire a couple of years ago. We physically did not have a secure place to go to anymore, but because we were together and because we made it out okay, I felt like I could handle it. The second one is volition. We need to feel like we have the power to control our own lives and choose how we exist. So if you are feeling powerless somewhere, take a note of the interactions that leave you feeling powerless. Maybe you feel you don't have enough of a say-so in your workplace. Maybe you can ask your boss if there's an area where you can take a little more control. If you need to draw boundaries with people in your lives to feel like your time is your own, I think I'm talking about myself here, I know that I need to set clearer boundaries, like not picking up the phone after 9 o'clock, because I know that I'll never wind down for the evening. If someone vents to me about their problems that late, I'm going to be up all night worried about them. Here's what the article has to say about it. If this emotional need isn't being met, have a frank conversation with your boss or partner or family about where you need to have more control or clearer boundaries. It's time to be lovingly assertive about this. I like that they use lovingly assertive. I feel sometimes that I have difficulty saying no <laughs> because I feel like I'm being rude if I'm like, hey, I don't have the headspace to talk about this tonight. Can we please talk tomorrow afternoon? And it's okay to be lovingly assertive. Number three is attention. Everybody loves attention. Receiving attention from the people we care about, giving them attention in return, and making sure to give attention to ourselves is valuable. The article suggests prioritizing quality time with your partner and friends. Maybe you realize that it's been a really long time since you and your partner went out on a date together. Maybe you've been really busy with work or school and you have not scheduled a brunch date with your friends. It's important to schedule these things. If I don't put something in my planner, it won't happen, even if it's something fun. It is important to maintain our friendships and it's important to maintain our relationships. So don't feel like you're wasting time that could have been used elsewhere if you get together with friends. I think you'll find that you feel more fulfilled in your relationships and you'll receive attention too, which is always nice. Meaningful interactions with our friends and family and partners, that is all great, but we also need to make sure that we are scheduling time for ourselves. I have been neglecting doing my yoga in the evenings. I have not been prioritizing or putting first my meditations and I can tell that I'm suffering for it. I know that I would be able to be more present and in the moment and feel recharged and renewed if I was doing those things. So make sure not to underestimate the power of self-care. Number four is emotional connection. To feel fulfilled emotionally, we need to feel a connection with other people. We need to experience those feelings of friendship, of love, and of intimacy. So an easy way to get that emotional connection is to just go back to number three, which is attention. If you're giving attention to your partner and you're receiving attention from them, those are going to lead to feelings of emotional intimacy. If you are 
paying attention to your friends and making time for them and you guys are hanging out, you're going to feel all those feelings of friendship and love. So I think that these two are pretty easy to accomplish at the same time. Number five is connection to community. The article says, we are social creatures and our brain is a social organ. We need to feel connected to something greater than ourselves. If this emotional need isn't being met, prioritize spending time with others. Maybe that means arranging a regular coffee get-together in your home, or mentoring someone in your field, or doing volunteer work for people less fortunate than yourself. I feel that there are a lot of different ways to be a part of a community other than just doing community service or volunteer work, even though those things are great as well. I feel like if you are a part of a D&D group and you guys get together on the weekends and play D&D together, then you're a part of that community. If you belong to a church and you're very active, then you are a part of your church community. I think you can even find a sense of community within certain types of workspaces. When I worked for Clinique, all the girls that worked at the different makeup counters, we would go to conferences together, we would go out after work, and we would talk about the latest and greatest developments in the cosmetic industry, and that very much felt like a sense of community. My husband works for a digital magazine, and with so many people working on creating this publication, there can be a big sense of community to be found there as well. So I think community can have whatever meaning you assign to it. Number six is privacy. In order to live a balanced lifestyle and in order to have a good sense of a mental and emotional well-being, we need to have time and space to decompress, to process the events of the day, and to unwind. Some people are more sensitive to overstimulation than others, particularly introverts and empaths, and if we don't feel like we have privacy, to have time to ourselves to process everything, that can be detrimental to our well-being. This is something I feel like I've been lacking in a little bit lately. I am so easily reachable by phone. We all are nowadays. But I have started to put my phone on do not disturb. If I am watching a movie with my husband, if it's a certain time of night and I just don't feel up for interacting with people, I need a lot of time to recharge. And if I'm constantly bombarded with text messages and Instagram notifications and emails and phone calls, I feel like I can't get that alone time to unwind and shut my brain off from interacting. So there are things that we can do to set those boundaries for privacy for ourselves. The article says, if this emotional need isn't being met, block out a half an hour a day just for you have a long bath or take a walk to digest the events of the day, and mentally rehearse for what's coming up next. More sensitive people often require more time to fully digest the stimulation or overstimulation of the modern world. I would also like to add that I have found journaling to be helpful. I will do what I call a brain dump of just everything I'm thinking of, things that happened that day, things I want to remember for the next day, what I'm feeling, um, sometimes like what I ate that day, I will just write down everything that's on my mind so that it is written in my notebook and I don't have to keep track of it anymore. And I've found it to be a really therapeutic practice. Number seven is a sense of self. This is understanding your own value within the group dynamic you're a part of. So it's essential to be part of a community or a group, but you've also got to know what part you play within that group. 
The article says, if this emotional need isn't being met, can you gain a special position in the organization you belong to? Can you be the go-to guy or girl for specific information or specialize in an area of your profession? Perhaps you can be the captain of a quiz or sports team. So I feel like this is talking about having a niche, having skills and interests so that you know who you are, you know what you're about, like, oh, you're the artist, oh, you're the musician, oh, hey, you're the podcaster. So I feel like developing a skill or hobbies or interests or things that define us all contribute to having a sense of self. Number eight is a sense of achievement. To maintain our self-esteem, we need to have a sense that we are accomplishing things of value, that we have achievements, goals that we've met, and I feel like the sense of achievement also ties back into number seven, the sense of self. That's the thing with these needs hierarchies. They all sort of build upon each other. A great way to accomplish this is to make a list of any achievements, any awards that you've earned, any qualifications you have, languages that you speak, promotions you've received. The article even says giving up smoking, losing weight, or even all the rough periods in your life that you've survived. You must have skills and strengths that got you through those periods. Remind yourself regularly of these. What more can you achieve and what new goals can you set? If you do nothing else from this podcast episode, do this for yourself. You're going to get to the end of this list and be like, oh my gosh, I'm awesome. Look at all of this stuff I've done in the last six months, in the last year, in the last five years. It does not have to be limited to trophies you've earned or achievements at work or at school. You can write down books that you've read, recipes you've cooked. You can write down difficult days that you have survived or podcast episodes you've listened to. So it also makes you want to add to the list. Like if I'm like, oh cool, I read 15 books last year. I met my goal. This year, I want to double that. So it's just a really, really fun practice. Number nine is meaning. This is about having the sense that we're part of something greater than ourselves and having a coherent set of beliefs about life and what it's all for. So I tend to think about like religious and spiritual people when I first read this, but the article goes on to say this. If this emotional need isn't being met, you can find meaning in starting a family, supporting a cause, finding a philosophy or belief system, or a political ideology that resonates with you. Somebody once said that the greatest thing about life is that it is meaningless, which gives you the huge opportunity to give it any meaning you want. If you find yourself feeling apathetic, existentially confused, like nothing has any point, focus on the little things, to see the world in a grain of sand. These moments are as meaningful as you want them to be. The pleasure of sipping tea, breathing fresh air, walking and living on a beautiful planet. Drink in those moments and let them nourish your soul. So after reading that part, I thought of mindfulness. This is all very, very mindful. You can even find your meaning in the philosophy of minimalism, in decluttering your home. I'm not trying to tie it all back to that, but you know, this is about being mindful, noticing the small things, noticing the meaning and the impact that each moment of each day can have, the time and attention that we spend on ourselves and with our loved ones, the sense of community and going to those community-led events, 
This is all very mindful. And again, I just love how these basic emotional needs all sort of build upon each other. I think if we can take just a couple of things from this list, the ones that jump out at you as I read them and you're like, hmm, that sounds like something I'm not getting enough of. I think that if we put these things into practice, we'll find that we feel more balanced, more able to offer comfort and attention to our loved ones, more able to handle the stressors of day-to-day life. When doing the research for this episode, I feel like I learned a little bit more about myself. I feel like I was able to tap in to some emotional needs that weren't being met and realize how I can strengthen those emotional needs that are doing pretty okay right now. I hope this episode has resonated with you, and I hope that you can use this information to live a more balanced, emotionally fulfilled, meaningful life. Thank you so much for listening. That wraps up this week's episode. I will see you back here again in June. If you have any questions, if you want to say hi, or if you have any topics you'd like to see covered in the podcast, please reach out by email at clean.simple.free at gmail.com or on Instagram at clean.simple.free. Thanks again for tuning in and remember, clean spaces make for a more simple way of life. And when life is simplified, your mind will feel free. See you next time.